Hello and welcome to the Chemistry Made Simple podcast. This is episode seven about reversible reactions and equilibrium. I'm your host, Matthew McCario. Welcome back if you're a returning listener. I really appreciate you coming back. If you're a brand new listener, you're in the right place if you want to get chemistry confident. So today's episode is about reversible reactions and equilibrium. So in today's episode, we're going to define the basics of equilibrium and we're going to start with talking about reversible reactions and then what do we mean by chemical equilibrium. So let's start with reversible reactions and let's think back to when you first learnt how to write chemical equations. You would have written the reactants on the left and the products on the right and an arrow going from the reactants to the products. Just a simple one direction arrow And at that point, we considered all reactions to be nice and straightforward. Reactants react and become the products. It's a one-way street, and that's that. But in equilibrium, we're going to be talking about reversible reactions. In a reversible reaction, it isn't quite that straightforward. We start with reactants, of course. Those reactants start to react and become molecules of product. But it doesn't stop there. Some of those product molecules can also become reactant again. They can react in the opposite direction. That's why it's a reversible reaction. Reactants can become product and product can become reactant again. So the reaction isn't a one-way street. It doesn't just go from left to right, from reactant to product. In fact, in reversible reactions and in equilibrium, we often talk about the left-hand side and the right-hand side of the equation rather than the reactant and the product. The reactants are what we started with, but at equilibrium, we will have a mixture of both reactants and products. So some examples of reversible reactions that you may have come across, and there are many. One is the reaction of nitrogen and hydrogen to produce ammonia in the harbour process. In this reaction, we start with nitrogen and hydrogen, and some ammonia is produced as we react them but also some of the ammonia during the reaction breaks back down into nitrogen and hydrogen. So we do create our product ammonia. It's also the reaction for some of the ammonia molecules is going backwards and recreating the reactants of nitrogen and hydrogen. Another example you may be familiar with is the reaction of ethanol and ethanoic acid. These react together in the presence of a catalyst to produce ethyl ethanoate and water. But the ethyl ethanoate and water molecules also react in the opposite direction to produce ethanol and ethanoic acid again. If you haven't come across those examples in your studies so far, you're bound to at some stage. And we'll certainly be touching on them in future episodes too. So that's reversible reactions. So where does equilibrium come into it? What does equilibrium mean? Well, equilibrium means a balance in something. And when we're talking about chemical equilibrium, we're talking about a balance in the reaction, a balance in a reversible reaction. And for us to reach this, we must do our reaction in a closed system. That's a fancy phrase, isn't it? It just means in a system where none of the reactants or products can escape. They can't be lost from our reaction mixture. So it might be within a flask with a stopper, for example. There would be no escape of gases or vapours from the system and therefore we would keep all our reactants and products within the system. So how do we know when we've reached equilibrium? What does that even mean? So equilibrium means that the system isn't changing overall. 
So that means equilibrium is reached when we get to the point where the concentration of reactants and products in the mixture isn't changing anymore. It's reached a balance. And that doesn't mean that everything has stopped happening, that the forward and the reverse reactions have stopped. It just means that when we reach equilibrium, the reactions are happening at the same rate as each other. The forward reaction and the reverse reaction are happening at the same rate as each other. They're both still happening. The changes they make cancel out so that there's no overall change in the concentration of any of the reactants or the products present. And that's why we call equilibrium dynamic equilibrium. We often leave the word dynamic out, but whenever we talk about equilibrium, we're talking about dynamic equilibrium. And that means that we've reached a balance, but it's dynamic. The forward reaction and the reverse reaction are still happening. There is no such thing as an equilibrium where everything has stopped. It's just there is no overall change. It's a dynamic equilibrium. Things are still moving. Things are still reacting, but there's no overall change. And that equilibrium will remain steady. It will remain in the same position as long as we don't change the conditions. What do we mean by the conditions? We're talking about concentration of any of the substances within the mixture, temperature or the pressure. If we change any of those, then the system is no longer in equilibrium. The rates of reaction will change and there'll be a period where a new position of equilibrium will develop for the system. And this comes from a principle you may have heard of called Le Chatelier's principle. He's a chemist who worked on equilibrium and came up with a principle which helps us to understand what happens if we change the conditions. His principle states that if a system at equilibrium is disturbed, the equilibrium moves in the direction that tends to reduce the disturbance. So the first thing is talk about a system already at equilibrium, and of course it must be in a closed system. Then he talks about if it's disturbed, what does that mean? Disturbed means changing the conditions. So we just talked about those conditions. We mentioned concentration, pressure, or temperature. So what he means is if we disturb or change the concentration of one of the substances within the reaction, or the pressure under which the system is, or the temperature of the system, then we can expect that there is going to be a change in the equilibrium. And when he says the equilibrium moves, he means the position of the equilibrium. Whether or not the forward or the reverse reaction becomes more dominant than it was at the previous equilibrium point, before we made the disturbance. So let's consider each of those three possible disturbances one by one. So what happens if we change the concentration of one of the substances in the reaction? The equilibrium moves in the direction that is going to reduce that change. It's going to tend to reduce the disturbance, as he put it. So it's going to minimise the effect. So if we add some extra reactant, one of the substances on the left of our reaction, we will increase its concentration, of course. And the equilibrium will move more to the right to make more of the products and reduce that increase in that reactant. The next condition was temperature. What happens if we change the temperature? The equilibrium will move in order to reduce that disturbance. So what happens if we increase the temperature? If we increase the temperature, the equilibrium will move in the more endothermic direction to use some of that heat to absorb it and reduce the disturbance. 
if we increase the temperature, if we add heat, if you like, the equilibrium will move in whichever direction has the endothermic reaction. So if the forward reaction is endothermic, the equilibrium will move more to the right. If it's the reverse reaction that's endothermic, the equilibrium will move more to the left. Likewise, if we lower the temperature of our system, again, the equilibrium will move in order to reduce that disturbance. So it will move in the exothermic direction. Exothermic means it gives out heat. So that would mean it would reduce the disturbance of the temperature being lowered. So whichever is the direction of the exothermic reaction, the forward or the reverse reaction, that reaction will be favoured and the equilibrium will move in that direction. If the forward reaction is exothermic, the equilibrium would move more to the right. If the reverse reaction is exothermic, it would move more to the left. And the third condition that we could change is the pressure applied in the system. This will only make a change if we have a gas as at least one of the products or reactants. It could be one of them or it could be all of them, but it has to be at least one of the reactants or products is a gas. If we disturb the system, if we change the pressure of the system, the system is going to move in the direction which reduces that change. So if we increase the pressure, the equilibrium will move to reduce that pressure, reduce that change. And it does so by moving towards the side of the equilibrium, which has the least number of moles of gas. How do you work this out? Well, look at the balanced equation and count up the number of moles of gaseous reactants and the number of moles of gaseous products. I'll just be careful, we're only looking at the gases, so there might actually only be one gas on the product side, for example, or it might be that all our reactants and products are gaseous. So just make sure you're counting the gaseous moles only. So look at the balanced equation and count up the number of moles of gaseous substance on the left-hand side of the equation, the reactant side, and the number of moles on the product side, the right-hand side. So if one of those has less moles of gas than the other side, then increasing the pressure will move the equilibrium towards that side. So if on the left-hand side we have less moles of gas and we increase the pressure, then the reaction will move towards the left. Or if the situation is that we have less moles of gas on the right-hand side of the equation, then the forward reaction will be favoured and the equilibrium will move towards the right if we increase the pressure. The opposite, of course, is true if we decrease the pressure. That will favour the reaction that produces more moles of gas. So if we have more moles on the right-hand side of the equation and we reduce the pressure, the equilibrium will move towards the right and the forward reaction will be favoured. If we have more moles of gas on the left-hand side of the reaction and we've reduced the pressure, the equilibrium will move towards the left. What happens if we have the same number of moles of gas on each side of the reaction and then we change the pressure? Well, nothing. The pressure doesn't affect the equilibrium if there's the same number of moles of gas on each side of the reaction, including if there's no moles of gas on each side of the reaction. Finally, watch out for a little bit of a trick question about catalysts and equilibrium. In my experience, it's quite common that in your exam you'll be asked a question about what change happens to an equilibrium position when you add a catalyst. 
And the answer is always that there is no change. A catalyst changes the rate of reaction, but it will change the rate of the forward reaction and the reverse reaction to exactly the same degree. Therefore, the equilibrium position will not change. The forward and the reverse reaction are both going quicker than they were before the catalyst was added, but quicker to the same degree. So the forward and reverse reaction are still happening at the same rate as each other. And therefore, when you add a catalyst to an equilibrium, there will be no change in the position of equilibrium. Watch out for that. It's a a favourite for examiners to ask. So today we've talked about what is a reversible reaction. We've talked about the rates of forward and reverse reaction being the same. We've talked about equilibrium being a balance of reaction in a closed system. In other words, when the forward and reverse reactions are at the same rate as each other, and there's no change to the concentration of, of any of the reactants or products in the system. We've also mentioned that that's a dynamic equilibrium, so there's no overall change, but in fact, the forward and the reverse reaction are still both proceeding. And we've talked about Le Chatelier's principle about what happens if an equilibrium is disturbed, if one of the conditions of equilibrium is disturbed. We've talked about what happens when you change the concentration, the temperature, or the pressure when a system is at equilibrium and how the system changes in order to reduce the effect of that disturbance. What we haven't done is we haven't quantified equilibrium. That's what we're going to do in the next episode. We're going to talk about the equilibrium constant, how we use it. So I hope you found this episode useful. Please do let me know. And if you want to get in touch, you can do so on Instagram. Just contact me. It's at chemistry made simple. And you can also email me if you wish. And that's Matthew at chemistrymadesimple.net. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already and come back for the follow-up to this episode where we talk about equilibrium constant. So until that episode, look after yourself and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye.